All right, we are live. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm Dan Blewett. This is episode four of the Morning Brushback podcast, now with updated logos, thanks to my former business partner, Lucas Cook. I'm here with Bobby Stevens, my co-host. Bob, what's up? Daniel. And we have a special guest, um, a former teammate of ours, Sean Gleason, joining us from uh, the Las Vegas area. Sean, what's up, man? Good morning. How are you? Good to see, good to see you again. Sean is a savage, and I was like, hey, man, we do this show at 9 a.m. Eastern. Like, we like to do a live. That's kind of our thing at the moment. Are you sure you want to get up and do this at 6 a.m.? He's like, bro, I'll be up at 5.15. I'll be in that Zoom link at 5.30. <laughs> Just classic you. Which He's, is what, he hasn't what we slept. love about you. There's no way you've slept. Did you sleep last night? Yeah, I go to bed like 8.30 every night. Get watching Netflix and TV, I, I don't, I don't get into that stuff. I just reading the memes about that new Tiger King or something. Has anybody? Have you watched it? Has anybody yeah, watched it's, it? It's insane. What, what is Tiger awesome. King? I don't it's know What is? You want to tell them? No, because I don't tell stories worth a shit. It's this guy in Oklahoma who's got like, he's got like a tiger sanctuary. And they're getting shut down by some woman in Florida who killed her husband. And he turned like he turned like two meth straight meth heads gay. It's 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 insane. It's awesome. It's the best. It's this guy. He ran for president. He ran for governor. This guy's amazing. I would watch. I want to be best friends with this guy. Those details did nothing to tell me about what this like. This is exactly. I I just told. It's a seven. It's seven episodes of insanity. This guy. That sounds like insanity. You blurted out tigers. Florida meth, yeah, turning men gay and governors. What? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Bullets and handguns. I can't. Okay. I can't give a better description. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a Netflix that show. Thing. So he just like looked around the room and was like, "I'm gonna make a Netflix show about raisin brand, bleach, refrigerators, uh, this, this the, guy town, is, the town this, mayor, and a laptop." No. No, and then you no. Have a show. you're downplaying. You're downplaying the Tiger King. It's a, it's not. It, you need to watch it. You have to watch it. This guy, you can't make a story. You couldn't throw a hundred <laughs> shitty things in a hat and pull them out and make a better story than this guy. Um, I'm okay. telling you, I'm not gonna watch it. I don't really watch TV ever. But you, Dan, you're gonna watch it. Of all the things to watch, that's not on my list. You're watching it. Li- just listen to it. Put it on in the background. Trash yeah. cans, tripod, trips to Bermuda. I'm telling you, the first you're going to hear, like you're going to hear the guy, and you're going to be sitting there typing on your computer, and all you're going to hear from the guy in the back is, uh, "Yeah, I just started doing meth, and uh, I guess I'm not even gay." I don't know. You're like, what the fuck is happening? And this guy, he ran for fucking president in 2016. Like he has a, he had a campaign manager who was a manager of a Walmart. This guy, you can't make it up. You can't make this up. Like, I'm calling that guy to manage my, my campaign when I run for mayor. You've been saying you've been running, you're going to run for mayor of Chicago. I mean, that's been like a running Twitter joke for years now. And I mean, do Bro, something been about like it. been like 2010. Let's yeah, go. It's, yeah, be are, about it. I'm trying 2023. 2023. Look at my Twitter. 2023 is going to be 2027. And then you're going to be dead. You never ran for mayor. You're a coward. You're a big coward. If you don't set just, goals just admit for yourself, admit Dan, it. I can't help that you don't admit set goals it on air that you're right, scared. Got, you're scared to be mayor. I've got long-term goals here. You're scared. Just admit it. 
So, Sean, how's, how, tell us what, what is Vegas like? Because Vegas, there's a lot of human contact. Oh. I mean, all these poker chips, little Corona chips. I mean, it's I mean, like what? Not anymore, man. It's, is, it's is the entire strip shut down? Functioning strip. You can go run it if you want. That's how far? It. How far are you? From how the weird strip? is that? I'm an eight dollar Uber ride. So I actually, I relocate. I'm in the Henderson mostly, but uh, have a rental over there. But uh, I'm over by the new Raider Stadium right now, and that thing is beautiful. And like, if you know, if you saw my Instagram, I took a picture of Mr. Mark at a hockey game, and this and that. But uh, I'm not. A, I'm a Broncos fan, but man, that stadium is going to be sweet. The whole side opens up like sliding big glass doors you can see the strip i mean it's going to be a party on wheels and a shell i mean i don't know whatever you want to do it's going to happen so is the entire strip shut down i mean like yep we've been shut down now for what's day friday so this is the end of the second week how weird is that i mean have you been running on the strip i'm sure you've done at least once like have you been over there you know i don't run but i've been through it i mean it's literally you could i don't know it's so weird man I don't even know about Chicago. I mean, that's even a bigger city. And once that, I mean, so you luckily hear- we don't have many people though, you know, infected due to, we need tourism, but if we don't shut down, no one's ever going to come. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> At least it's warm by you. It was fun. It was snowing on Monday here. Yeah, man. My traveling days are done 80 degrees this week, but all I have right now is a balcony. So I'll have to sneak in some walks. Here's, here, let me, let me define let me define what Chicago is right now for you guys. If you can see the phone, that's uh, okay. tough to see. Uh, emergency, emergency alert at 321 in the morning to not run on the adjacent to the lake or on the trail that runs through the city. 321 in the morning. Like Why? Why like one not, screech, right? the, one why of the street screeching alerts that like yeah yes yes oh, wow this is the this is this this is one of the, the, the terrifying ones i love chicago but the worst run city in the history of the world we're in we, i don't know why anybody would live here uh, if well they you, shut down red rock here. here they shut down red rock and the boulder head boulder city railroad trail because they want people to you know go out and hike or be around but it was looked like ants in a single file line up these trails yeah well, that, that's crazy. well that, that's a good point because I've been arguing with my sister about this lovingly. She's just concerned for me being in the city. But like, the, it's a valid question, which is how much contact is appropriate when you're trying to limit contact with other humans? So she's like, hey, you know, don't take the metro and don't go to WeWork. And if you assess like the risk for me on my personal like little bubble here, those are the two like least possible, like there's one person per Metro car right now. And you can walk through and literally not touch a single thing, sit down, get off, not touch another thing and leave the Metro station. Um, but it's public transit. So it's, you know, it's scary to people. And then um, me going to WeWork, which is a co-working space. There's like four people in the entire, like huge building. Like I'm not anywhere near another human, but then I'm like, so Annie, if you let me do those two things, or if you don't want me to do those two things, can I exercise? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, if I jog, I'm passing people on the sidewalk. Like it's inevitable. Even if you kind of zigzag and take weird routes and you're going to walk by some people and you're going to run past some people. So it's like, if I can do that, then what, you know what I mean? Like finding the standard of like what's safe and appropriate is, is hard. I think right now, because you're going past people on the street. You're like you said, with trails, they're going to be packed. So it's like, I don't know. It's what, just I mean, about Sean, that uh, cost. 
or the the touching of something else and you have to be really mindful i mean people we all do it i mean you touch your face and hands and mouth all the time and that's the most important because you're spreading of germs boom 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 and yep and you're rubbing you're literally caressing your whole face right now guys i bought bleach last night are you excited i went to target one table it's one tablespoon bro per gallon that's your cleaning so i'm rich i'm rich like i'm gonna put i'm gonna put this on ebay for like here if you want to if you're out there listening and you want to, and you want bleach, I'll accept a new laptop, um, a new iPhone, maybe like a Toyota. If you want to trade me a car, I'll I'll give you the bleach. I mean, like, all right, I'll bring. I'll send my Forerunner, bro. Two thousand four. Yeah, you need it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. That's so. Have you been going to WeWork? Have you been getting out of the house and working and like three days a week, maybe? That's it. Really, most of, most of the time, I'm staying home. I mean, they're staying open because they have like essential businesses that like, if you go into a WeWork, you might see a 50 person JP Morgan chase office. Like you might see oh, a okay. bunch of lo- law firms. Right. Right. Yeah. Like there's a million different businesses underneath them. Some of those do fall under the umbrella of businesses that would stay working now in DC. There's like 12 WeWorks. So the one that I'm going to is brand new. It's incredible. There's just, it's like almost vacant because there's not that many businesses that had moved into that office yet. It's like very new. But in other businesses, so I'm sure there's still, still a lot more. Because it's great Wi-Fi. It's just a comfortable place to be out. I walk 10 minutes to get there. It's just like a better work environment than me going crazy in my apartment. And it's equally, not, equally quarantined. If we're not sponsored by WeWork after this glowing review. So they'll sponsor me because they're the worst run company in America. I mean, they're financially okay, well, terrible. Not, you, not when you say they're, that, they're, we're not going to get sponsored. They're bleeding like, I money. Get sponsored so they'll by throw more money out. Like I'd love to get sponsored. Hey, we're gonna buy Toyota, the shittiest cars in America. Like, come on, throw them a bone. Did you get up on the WeWork uh, news in the in the past six months? It's been incredible. Just like only from what you told me, the lack of leadership from their founder, just their terrible financials. They're bringing like two hundred million dollars a quarter, and with every new WeWork they open, because they signed all these leases. With with each new WeWork they open, it's like it's like stabbing a fresh wound into yourself. Like the fact that two new DC WeWorks opened means their company is now just bleeding more money because each each location loses so much money. It's crazy. Like the, so they're just trying to the, buy up land and then get bought out. Obviously. They were doing what all the startups do. They're they're you know like focusing on growth. So it's like let's grow, let's open as many as we can. But when every location loses money, the more locations you open, the more money you lose. And it's, it's amazing. You see these huge facilities like this one and there's another, I mean, there's like four new ones within the last three months and they're huge. And you're like, okay, they're paying $2 million rent a month or a million dollars rent per month here in DC. And there's, and it's a ghost town. It's like, well, this isn't good for business for them. So, well, you're still going? Yeah, I don't pay any money. I go there for free. Yeah, you're taking advantage I, of the system. I got this incredible go to like have a free WeWork membership for a year from my Amex Platinum card. It's like a four thousand dollar perk. It's amazing. Oh, well, drop that Amex. You got yeah. the gold one now, Business of Central. No, the platinum one. It's amazing. Oh. It's a six. It's a six hundred dollar per year um, annual fee, but you get two hundred dollars in travel credit. So if you take one flight, you get two hundred dollars reimbursed. That's down to four hundred bucks. If you, you get $15 in Uber credit every month, that doesn't roll over, but you can use it. So that's $200 a year if you spend it all. And then I got that $4,000 WeWork perk. So that's paid for the card for like 
six years. Um, it's just a really, it's a really good car. And you get to access all these uh, airport lounges and lots of other stuff. So it just depends on whether you can make use of the expensive fee or not. You know, they're all different. Um, so Sean, have you, you're a big weight room guy. What have you been doing to stay sane exercise wise? Well, what is it? 14 days. I've done at least a hundred pushups a day and pull-ups. Bob was my first pull-up guy on that pyramid. I got you. Remember that? The one, then the two, then the three, then the four. It's a hundred pull-ups. It's quick, yeah. quick hundo. And that's how I was throwing a quick hundo on the mound. Still got that record. Still 35 save Frederick Keys. Have you been have you been playing catch? You've been doing any baseball stuff? Bro, I can still long toss a hundred yards right now. I play every I played in Sunday League, bro. I had five jacks last year. Oh my god. We went to a, a tournament in Arizona and I hit one over the netting at the spring training facilities. Yeah. You you went to that men's league tournament that like yeah, big, the I threw big a complete game, ten innings, eighteen Jeez. K's, one run, we lost. How'd you feel after that? Awful. I drank like a, a thousand Miller lights for my ice and recovery. And I had a cold tub. So, so, so hurting. The guys out here don't play as we, I mean, it's all softball where I'm at. And it's quite oh, fast. I play softball pitch. now too. Fat, oh, like, fat, yeah. Fucking 12, like nice. fast pitch, softball, wood bat, like winning wow. team that wins goes on to Puerto Rico. Like, it gets crazy. Dan's Instagram living us right now. Don't mind. Yeah. That. Dude, that's yeah. good. I just I, am I play softball on Fridays, and I play left field, and I just – I bait people. I mean, I, the last game I threw a guy out at first base. <laughs> I, I love it, bro. Reliving the glory. Dude, I would Fire. love to tow the rubber again. My arm's still so good. It's just the – Isn't there a new league? There's a new league out in the West Coast, isn't there? Like a, not the Golden League. I forget what league it is. I don't know. If you pay, you can play in any kind of independent ball now and be a pro. Yeah, cut yeah. yourself a deal. Everyone's a pro. Everyone's a pro. <clears throat> Let me pay my 500 and play in this California-Colorado League with three games, and I went pro. Well, let's speak right. on that a bit. So let me out. So the show kind of outlined today. I know we want to talk a bunch about, uh, about <laughs> the current political situation, but we also have a bunch of college baseball stuff that I want to get both of your input on. So, you know, incoming freshmen – or players that have signed a national letter of intent, what happens to these guys, especially if seniors come back? So I want to talk about the senior situation in college baseball, um, college softball, and what that means for in, in, incoming freshmen. Um, and I also want to hear, but I, I do like this thread of what does it mean to be a pro baseball player? Because for me, I was an independent only guy. Never got my shot in affiliated ball. Um, you guys both played in the Orioles system, and Sean, you played sort of everywhere, and you know the cartels in Mexico. Um, but that is a very valid conversation where I know that it irks me and not to the point anymore where I, I really care, but like you said, you played five games in the Pecos league, which is one of the most illegitimate pro leagues that exists. It's like high school baseball fields with 40 fans, you, you know, they pay you $150 or something and you sleep, you know, 18 guys to a room and they call that pro baseball because they call it pro baseball. But it's like, at what point is it actually pro baseball? And at what point would you say that it's not? Um, I don't know. So with some of these independent leagues, Sean, where do you feel like you draw the line personally? It's tough because everyone else has a different skill set or level. But I mean, if you didn't probably get a contract or sign, you know, 
a thousand dollar get picked up out of somewhere. I don't know. It's like the Pecos of that's maybe like a elevated continuing of like summer baseball to me. I mean, you got to go out there and play and be able to be picked up when there's only three or four teams and you're paying to play. Yeah, you're living your dream and you're having fun, but I mean, there's a whole different level to baseball out there. So, yeah, I, I mean, the, the pay P- to play stuff. Yeah. The Picos League is tough. Uh, you know, obviously, you got affiliated ball, and then you've got your independent leagues, Atlantic League, American Association, um, Frontier, Frontier League. There is no Can Am anymore. Frontier and Can Am are the same league now. Um, you know, there's a league in there's a league in Michigan that's it's just I think it's four teams. They play at one complex. Uh, you know, I'm not about to tell these kids that they're not professional baseball players. They're professional baseball players. You get paid to play. You're professional. You know, aside from playing in a Sunday league and the guy gives you a hundred bucks to come out because you're going to dominate and throw 15 innings like you would. Glee. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's not professional baseball. But the Picos League, you know, it's a summer league. It's a full summer. It's like the old golden league. Um, there really is no independent baseball on the West coast, which is probably some untapped market in some aspects, but that's, that's professional baseball. You know, obviously the foreign, like I went to the check and played my last summer just to, just to go. And that's, that is loosely professional baseball. Like that's their professional league. We only played a doubleheader on Saturday. I mean, I don't know. That's that's the honestly high school baseball. Like I had kids in high school on my team. I had a guy that was 37 years old on the team and he was the ace throwing like 70. So there's, yeah, it's a my loose question. term. It's a loose term. Here's my question for the panel. If you get paid a salary of $2 per month, are you a professional baseball player? How often no, you, you have playing? to be, be getting paid playing? more than you spend. How often I mean, you, you, I no, mean, you're, that's, you're, no, that's impossible. Are you kidding me? It's well, impossible. Like, you spent more in AAA. You spent more money in AAA than you got paid. But I'm saying on meals. I mean, if you can't even afford a, three meals a day and you're two bucks a day, I mean, you're doing it for the love of the game, and I respect for, that. Rookie ball. In, I don't. You know? I don't think rookie ball. I was making eleven hundred bucks a month. That's what thirty-two bucks a day. But you're still getting like insurance and benefits and things like that, and that makes you a, pro, a, a professional organization. Maybe sure. not a player. Sure. So that's so where like, I kind of teeter the level. You know, if you're getting paid for your travel and you're not having to gas up your own tank, you know, that's kind of like a volunteer, voluntarily pro thing to give you a shot to be seen. And I respect how, that. How often, if you're, I think if you're getting paid, if you're collecting a paycheck and you're playing every day, uh, let's, let's discount short season because obviously it's short for a reason. If you're playing, 90 plus games a year and you're getting a paycheck guys i would consider that professional baseball so if you get paid two dollars a month and you play every day that's professional baseball well this is it but this is an important the reason i'm I'm saying this it's it's tough i mean there's that's not that's a that's an unrealistic example as much as it is an example they get the golden like the picos league they get paid 200 bucks a month i think Mm -hmm. something something ridiculous so what is that five bucks a day, six bucks a day. Uh, I would still say that's professional baseball. Like they're playing every day. You know, that's, they're getting a paycheck to play. That is their job. You know, if, regardless, it's not a living wage. Like uh, you can argue, we can argue all day. That's not a living wage. Like those kids are poor as fuck. Like that's not, that is, that is an extension of like, like Sean said of basically collegiate summer baseball. 
Like you're, if you've got guys older than 23, 24 in that league, you got, somebody's got to tell those guys like, Hey, this, this isn't it. Like, this isn't it. You got to, at some point there's, you know, live the dream as long as you can. You know, we all know guys that have, that are probably still playing that they just keep going back to independent ball. And you kind of wonder like, what the, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, so what are you going to do? If they got the means. Me? But, what, yeah. Or Dan, what would you guys do in this term right now? So if you're like you said, a, co- a college senior, you have the chance to go back because there's now they stated last night, there's only a five round draft. Are you, are you exiting and then going to go sign with the Atlantic league just to get or your the feet Pico's wet? League, or the Pico's league. Going, but are you, are you going back and going to play one more year, year experience and maybe the next year, 2021, the full 30 round draft? Well, so I, I, I did this, obviously I came back for my fifth year. I was on track to graduate in four blew my, blew my elbow out at the end of my fourth year, came back for my fifth just to rehab and be with the team. And I was fortunate to do that because my parents paid for my college. Um, you know, God bless my mom and dad. They've been just like, I mean, you can't understate how important that is for, for an athlete. Just like, I didn't have debt. Um, they've been like, I lived a very, we lived a very normal middle-class life. I'm not wealthy, but my parents, my dad's an engineer. My mom was director of Habitat for Humanity for our, our branch, um, my, my county. And my parents are some amazing people and saved money for all of us kids to not have that financial burden when we left. So that was a major part of my decision. I could go back with my fifth year, not be just, you know, crippled with debt. And then I moved on and then I could chase my dreams in, in pro baseball because I didn't have all these huge loan payments over my head, stuff like that too. So that my situation was different because I need to rehab. Um, and if I hadn't, I knew I would have had less structure. So, but I guess my decision was still similar. I guess my question for a lot of the seniors is, are you actually going to have a chance to go into pro baseball? Is that your reason for going back? Um, if it, if it is, are there other options? Like Bob said in the summer, can you latch on with an independent league or something? There's going to be a lot of showcases. I mean, teams are going to do stuff for these players. It's not like they only need five players. Now I realized they were talking about contracting the draft as it was right. Like that's been a conversation for a couple of years, like in the, in the back burner. So the draft's going to shorten anyway, probably. And this is probably just like the reason they're going to do it for the first time. Um, so it won't be five rounds, but they're probably going to contract it to like 20 or 30, I heard. I mean, I saw a tweet from a scout, and I saw uh, there's a scout that works with us. Um, he's like a bird dog, but he does a lot of scouting. And they both made good points. Like they've been on these kids for well over a year. So unless you're the guy that's sneaking into the draft or you're a fringe guy that might have the stuff or might have some tools, like those top five to 10 rounds, they have a pool of guys that that's the, those guys are getting taken, especially Mm -hmm. the top three rounds. I mean, there might be a 10th rounder that sneaks into the top five because he showed out, but that 10th rounder is still on the board. Like they know who that kid is. They want to see him perform. So you know, it's really a question of the guys on the back end, the kid that's, you know, 88 to 92 starter, you know, maybe at like a mid-level school who's had good numbers. He's got some stuff. Um, he'll probably get a shot because he's got enough velocity and he's got enough success. But he's a free agent, late round guy, probably as is. Uh, you know, yeah. the guy, and the guys that throw 95 plus are going to get a shot somewhere just based purely on arm talent. 
So it it's really, if you're a senior, I put this out on Twitter. I think we talked about it a few days. If you're a senior, you, the real question is if you're a position guy, like, can you take that debt on of twenty, thirty thousand dollars just to come back and play baseball? It's not that you don't want to, like those guys want to. It's not, that's not the question. The question is, can you? Like, I want to. I have a year of eligibility left. Sean, you left as a junior, didn't you? Yeah, I want to go play football. Yeah, I'll go back and golf right now. I'll go back to into college and play. Like, everybody wants well, we to stay in college. We should get two years college. now with this rule. Bobby, right. you got – Let's go. You need to balance your golf career with your uh, wood bat carpentry skills. So, you need to Here's make time for again, both. Again, you don't like <laughs> trades. You don't like tradesmen. I, I, I've totally accepted that. <laughs> John so Bobby my, said, my I'll thing, go right? make a wood bat today. Yes. I right, can make go. a wood bat right now. Okay. Here, my thing is if now if I'm a high school senior and le- mandated by law, no 19-year-old, unless it's special ed, at least in Nevada, cannot come back to high school. So if I'm a mm, high school senior, though, I'm taking my route the way I went. I'm going JUCO 1,000% because if any of those Division One, twos, and 3s come back, that's a log jam for me. I'm going yeah. Juco where I can get the reps, right. be seen, and play all fall and still be able to get drafted that next year when I thought I was a high school senior that might have been a later pick. I mean, then you're going to bump up because if not, you're competing against a whole other class. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's the a thing, good, that's though. That's a good thought. It's a good, great point, but at what point, at what level do those kids not go to Juco? Like, the, I think it makes total sense for the kid who's going to Division One because he's probably got a few tools that he could improve to draft quality, but if you're not already there. So junior college, I think are going to benefit greatly. There was a question I saw one of the, one coach uh, was talking about the national letters of intent. Like, are they going to scrap those and let kids transfer if they want to? Which like if I, think you're going, I think they should you're going to Louisville and they've got 20 kids coming in and they've got, they're supposed to let, you know, 15 guys go off the roster between the draft and graduating. And now all those kids are coming back. You, you can't go there. Like, how can you go to a school that's going to have 60 guys in fall? And then you're going to have to go to Juco. Loose, anyway. It's going to be a loose rule, man. I mean, if you're a high school senior, you have to go Juco. That's how it was made, man. You grind it out there. You get better. You're there for baseball. It's, it's easy class for anybody across the board. And you still get a chance to get drafted. Why would you want to go unless you're, I don't even know, even if you're a standout high school well, how hard did you I mean, throw as still, a senior? I was 88 to 91, maybe touched 92, 93 on a really good day. <laughs> you're like really good day. Head. You're like shaking your head as you say that. Like It didn't matter I mean, because I was such good – I was a better catcher. <clears throat> and no one ever got to see me do that because I went to Juco and we had two All-Americans, so I went to the outfield. Hmm. Yeah, but, but your I, arm my, talent, my, your my arm talent is, is in the top 1% yeah, of high school you guys. Especially back then. What, what year did you graduate high school? Oh, four, but I wasn't getting letters all over. Like, yeah, let's go here, there. Not- you know, I'm from a, I'm a town of 8,000. You know, you get up and you, you got to do your work and your due but diligence. Yeah. And I won 101 Ju- games in JUCO. And we were top five and we're all over the place. But I think go. Bobby's point like, was just that 88 to 93 back in 2004 was Even not now. normal. Even, Even now. now, that's exceptional. I mean, that's like 92 to 95 now as a high schooler. Probably, it's probably the equivalent. So you had, like, you your, your situation was stuff. a little different. Was a little different than other people. Yeah. No. Most of the kids here who are listening, or their parents who are listening to this podcast, are if their kids are considering going JUCO, it's because they're just not quite good enough, and they need to develop more. Which is great. That's a good. Or they're pretty good, and they're hoping they can. You know, maybe they're eighty-five, eighty-eight, and a good year or two gets them to ninety, ninety-two. And now they're transferring to the D one of their dreams. That's I think the. the 
but back the, to your situation, the most no, I, went, guys. I went Juco also because I could get drafted every year. And if something would happen, boom, I'm already drafted. Yeah. You know, well, and, that, and, and, and division and said, one, like you have four on ones in the fall. Like you don't even, when I went there to St. Mary's my junior year, like I didn't even see my whole team till the spring. And I was just, I was as, as fresh as a freshman. Like what the heck? You don't even team bond. Like, I don't know. I love Juco cause it, it'll prepare you for minor league baseball too. Cause it's no doubt. That's no true. doubt. So, so Sean, we, we didn't give you a, a proper introduction. Uh, fill us in a little more on your path through baseball. So your high school, college, tell us like the way you Small climb town, a ladder. Colorado, La Hunta, Colorado, a couple major leaguers and minor leaguers from there, from a town of 8,000 is pretty good. Um, then I went to junior college, Lamar Community College. Uh, we played against the Arizonas, Utahs. One year we fell one game short to South Mountain to go to the College World Series or the Juco College World Series. And the next year we fell short to Dixie before they moved on to Div- Division Two. Now they're D. One, because they've grown so fast. Um, and then I, my sophomore year, I signed in the fall with St. Mary's after going to see Alabama, Oklahoma. I mean, I went uh, a lot St. of St. Mary's, California, right? Yeah, West Coast and Conference. What, uh, what? What's their mascot? The Gale. The Gales. Yep. What is what is that? that a, what does that logo look like? The hell is a Gale? I couldn't even tell you. I think it's the guy on the horse. Oh, okay. Some like medieval. Gotcha. I didn't okay. spend much time. Yeah, I just tried to get all my st- studies in. I mean, six hours of of uh, study hall just to stay up on school? your that, books. That's tough, a good school, I mean. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I killed it, but you have to put in the work, and that takes time away from baseball. That's other things you got to consider. What kind of student are you? What do you want to be in your first two years of college? And, you know, and then what do we play? Seven years. Orioles, five years in Mexico, played in the Can-Am once, went to Dominican for a hot minute in a playoff series. Uh, I just love so you, baseball, man. And so you were 88 to 93 as a high school senior. What were you at your peak in pro ball, like velocity-wise, stuff-wise? Like what kind of pitcher were you? Hard. Well, Firm. I was probably like, Firm. I don't know, 90, 94 as a starter ish i mean it just depends on the day i mean you don't always have a really good outing with your arm you know <clears throat> then i started getting into middle relief and then i went to closing and then i would be i would probably sit five to seven most nights ish. 95 Bob, to 97 for the layman bobby we, would be we agree there. Yeah, you just drop the, the nine just drop the nine there's there's i mean i've seen you hit harder for sure the four pitches right you're four pitch guy from what i remember yeah I think fighter as I got more back in because yeah, I was just saying you, bullpen bullpen you toned it you, I mean bullpen guys two solid pitches is what you need but as yeah. a starter I remember four pitches yeah and then we would uh, I would throw I mean as Bobby you could see we even in BP we would find spots and just try to chuck it and throw it through TV camera holes for a game I, mean, oh I don't my know God. it's all about long toss and and pull ups man if you have big breaks you can get going quick. Well, well, two points. I want to double back because we have a good question. Um, a uh, father's name. His name is Adam. Adam, what's up? Um, he's a he's a son who's a, a senior in high school. He's 17, touches 90, just 88 to 89. He's committed somewhere where they have 10 seniors, and they're not sure who's going to return. What kind of advice? That's a tough situation, 10 right? Senior I mean, pitchers. Is it Division um, One school? Yeah, um, 10 seniors. I don't know if they're all pitchers. I assume it couldn't be all be pitchers. 
see but, if he can tell us what school as far as um, that. Well, I'll probably keep that. We'll probably keep the school off, oh. off the radar. But um, just, I mean, that's a general, like, good scenario. So what do you think like that? Pretty premium arm, 80 to 90 as a high school senior. Again, is excellent. That's very um, good. Committed, so, or NLI. So, I don't know. Is, is junior college fit in there? in that plan like how should they view i mean here's the other thing when you're when you're that now if you're 84 86 in that same situation right that makes you a little more nervous i mean every school needs arms and 88 and 90 as, as, as a freshman yeah he's means, division one arm yeah no for doubt. sure and but so, a juco maybe next year top 10 round pick and you get you, be, you can't get drafted after your first year in juco like you could back when yes, you're you in can. there yeah you can you don't oh, yeah. go through two years like no no they used to be the draft and follow where you could hold your money. Oh, that's right. Better. You're right. You're right. That's what I'm saying. Right. I mean, man, if he's 88 to 90, I'll hook, call Lamar Junior College tomorrow. I mean, my coach this year is getting inducted to the Juco Hall of Fame. I mean, there's many. Why Why pass up on an opportunity he's, to be seen every year? He's he's a the, – the difference between him and the kid that's 84, 86 is he's going to have D1 offers if he goes to Juco coming out, no matter what, whether he puts up numbers or not. He's just got the arm – the kid that's 8046 goes to JUCO. Well, you know, let's say he's going to a small D1. Like that kid probably needs to stay at that D1 because if he goes to JUCO and he doesn't get any better, he's probably not going to Division One after that if he doesn't have numbers. This kid, whoever we're talking about, Tommy said that your son's got. Options. You made that. You made that name up. <laughs> What's his name? Pat. His dad's name's Adam. Adam. Okay, I was close, right? Tom, Pat, Adam. Oh sure, uh, you got one of the letters Bob. right. Yeah, Bob, yeah, you got one letter right. This kid. <laughs> This guy's he's your son has options. He's going to have he, he doesn't have to pitch for the next two years, come out as a sophomore, you know, and he's going to have deep one offers. I think the real the, the real question is how much money is he getting? Is he on a 25 percent? Is he getting a full ride? If he's getting a full ride, it's hard to say, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm going to risk it to go to Juco. I mean, a grant granted Juco is going to be much cheaper just based on uh, tuition. But, it, you know, money and he's going to be healthy, bro. Well, yeah, the other thing that, he's on his senior season. He's going to be healthy. So he's ready. Thing I now think you train to, and throw harder. That's also very true. I mean, right you now, can expect, right now. Yeah. 88 to 90 right now, this time next year, is probably 90 to 93, 94. I mean, and you can't deny that kid playing time at that point, right? As, and that's my other point is that I went to watch D1 softball and D1 baseball in, in my area. So I've seen in the past, before the season got shut down, I saw Georgetown play so on the baseball side, Georgetown um gw uh and i've seen so maryland rhode island a couple of teams if you go through this and talking with with some scouts and, and and a friend who's a scout all these teams in the area and that includes like umbc maryland mason gw georgetown like these are all like reputable like lower but mid-tier d1s right maryland's like the highest in the area they don't have that many 90 plus arms like you think about d1 schools like everyone's got like six 90 plus guys it's just not the case no watch you watch you're not you going watch, to a georgetown yeah. though to play baseball you're there because you're good at baseball to help offset costs that's more true, times are, than none that's true but these are all still like it's still d1 baseball they still play legit oh, d1 baseball yeah my point is that that chunk of schools in that like middle to lower tier of division one there's still most of the pitchers on that roster are 86 to 90 and the nineties are like touching it once in a while. Most of those guys are mid to upper eighties and it's still a right. misconception on Instagram and the, and the, the whole social media universe that 
you know, this little like 90 poo thing that's going around. 90 miles per hour is still a very significant milestone. And most pitchers, even if you go watch a mid-tier reputable D1 game, most kids are not pumping 90 or above. And so if you're one of those college seniors that's 80 to 90 or a high school senior, you're in really good shape to be a guy on any like mid-tier school. If you're going to Vanderbilt or SEC school, you're not. Like they have a lot of guys there still. But at the same time, the vast majority, 75, 80% of D1s, they're super excited to get a freshman that's an upper 80s guy that can be a 90 mile per hour guy because they just don't have that many. It's still just, no doubt. It's still just not that common. You know, I, so I watched, the point uh, being is this that guy Adam, your son's in great shape. He's in good whether shape. He stays, yeah. Whether he stays at the school he's he signed to, or he goes to junior college, or he just decommits and finds a school that doesn't have ten seniors, he's in great shape, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be able to force him in the say. lineup. Yeah, um, just let it play out. You know, see who comes back, and then make your decision because there's going to be so many implemented rules to help him out. And going back to Georgetown, blew it. I mean. I went to St. Mary's because they were giving me the Friday night spot like this, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a top tier D one. I should have held out. I went 11 and 0 starting out my sophomore year at Juco and I had letters from you name it. And it was tough because you think about this, I was really good at, as a junior throwing hard, nasty slider. I just had learned better change up finally, but then I had six freshmen on the field, man. And we got exposed during yeah. conference play. And then here we go. I have to throw a shutout every game. And maybe saying going to a different school, I could have went nine and four versus a uh, six and six, you know, because my just it is what it is, you know. Freshman in the Division One in the infield, it's a learning curve, man. The game speeds up. It's the same yeah. game, but there's some mature guys out there versus. Well, what, yeah, what percentage? Yeah, what percentage of guys do you think would come back? So all these seniors we're ready to play their final season and then move on with their lives or hopefully get drafted or whatever, you know, life after baseball. Now they get new life to come back if they want to. What percentage, what, what percentage do you think comes back that actually takes the NCAA up, up on that, takes out the other loans, adds more classes, you know, because most guys <coughs> were in my, um, were in my boat. I couldn't finish a second degree in one year and fifth year. I took on a second major, so I was ready to graduate with my philosophy degree after four years. And then to come back, I had so many psychology classes under my belt that I could take a second major, and I made psychology my second major, and then I graduated with a completed double major. I didn't get a double degree. That's like a whole nother like 30 extra credits, but I, got a, I have a double major in philosophy and psychology that I completed, which a double major doesn't change anything. It's not like you got a better degree, like whatever, but... So essentially that fifth year, those classes didn't really matter for anything. Um, and for a lot of guys, they won't be able to complete a second major probably in their fifth year, unless they had, a, like, like I did, a lot of one subject. So what percentage do you think comes back? Well, here's the other question before I do percentage is, can these seniors in this ruling, can they dip and run to another school? Like I don't want to do that. Football. Like football. You know what I'm saying? Can you go to the portal now? I mean, that's going to make a mess too, because then that changes well, your huge. That's a huge question. Yeah. If you're a, like, if you're a, if you're a division three kid, who's an ACE, who's now like 88 to 91, can you duck out and jump to, you know, Auburn, a, a big 10 school because they're going to take you. If you're a grad transfer, they're going to take you like football does it all the time. Jalen Hurts just did it. And he went to, I mean, he went to a powerhouse, Oklahoma. Like it's more common in football because they get these kids in early 
they graduate high school early, they get into college early and they finish early. So they have those options to grad transfer. Like that's a huge question. If I'm a stud division two, II, division three player, like, and I hear division one is looking or I can jump on and be the starter at a, maybe a mid-level division one that's going to compete for a championship somewhere, conference, whatever. Like that's, that's talking to me. I think the percentage is probably going down day by day. Like the, I think, I think when the shockwave hit, uh, emotions were high. Yeah. Yeah. Emotions were high. Like we're all going to come back. You know, I tweeted it out. Yeah. It was like, you know, pitchforks, you know, we're coming back. You can't take this away from us. Like we want to take our own Jersey off. Awesome. Get into July. Hey, sign these papers for 50 grand more in debt. Uh, you don't have any more classes to take. So you better, you know, you got to take a full load, you know, pick basket weaving, um, pay your rent. Yarn yarn theory. You got to go through all those things that you just went through for the last four years. And, you know, the, the real, the other side of the token is how many of these kids actually going to graduate in four years? Um, You know, if they've got another semester to do, they'll probably just stay and play. Totally understandable. That's but the true. kids that were on the kids that were on pace that graduated or they're about to graduate in May, just from their e-learning classes, whatever the hell they're doing, you that's a that's tough. I mean, it's a tough decision. I don't know if I'm taking on debt and I didn't pay anything for college. Like I don't even know if I I still don't know if I would did you stay up where you're at? Do you just what would you know, take out, man? Grand? Do you go make fifty G's a year and you know, no, you wherever. take the out, dude, and you act like you got a senior plane ticket, and you go to the Atlantic League, and then that's going to log jam those, and the older guys are out. That's a that's a small minority though of kids that can go play professional baseball, and that's not to diminish the talents of some of these kids, but yeah. professional baseball is like <clears throat> a, is a pipe dream for ninety percent of kids in college. It just is, yeah. you know, like the my my former college coach at a powerhouse D three in Chicago, uh, outside of Chicago, right in the suburb. His catcher is a superstar. Like that kid's supposed to get drafted, but the rest of those guys, his seniors that are going out and that school's like 50, 60 G's a year. Those kids probably aren't going to play professional baseball. Maybe in one other kid will have a sniff at an independent league. That's a lot. You're talking years of debt to play one more year. I think a lot of those kids would just say, you know, shitty situation, but. Well, and the thing about independent baseball is, and this is a misconception. People think, oh, independent baseball is this lower tier that I can jump on and use it as like a, you know, a little, little stepping stone to get, you know, I'll just go do a month. Now, there are some examples of guys who, who have done that. The number one example yeah. is Big Maple in the major leagues, James Paxton. He didn't get what he liked in the draft. He went and played the American Association for two months. And this was, you know, he's like, what, 6'6", six, six, lefty. He was throwing like 92, 95. He held his own in independent baseball. And then got drafted the next year. Didn't that Bauer is not do that? an uh, who Luke Hochaver did. Hochaver did. Yeah. 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 yeah, these were like first round draft pick type players. Like Correct. they could hack that. Everyone else, you can't jump into independent baseball because here's how independent baseball works. It's as cutthroat as the major leagues. If you go there and suck, you're gone in two weeks. In one week, you can't just like, oh, I'm, I'm a. I was like, okay, pretty fringy D1 baseball player. Might have got drafted. I'm going to go play independent baseball. Go hit 180 in your first 11 at bat. See ya. It's not, it's Unless not you're on the Camden it's, River Sharks the, the yeah, later right. year. Yeah. 
it's, I it's hard. That hamstring it had 11 ERA. Yeah, and it's a hard lead to get started. I mean, I saw in my rookie year, I saw lots of guys pitch once and get released. That either that night or two days later, that's extremely common. So these independent leagues are not like, oh, sure, come on in. We'll keep you warm and incubate your career. No, if you can't win games for us and help us keep fans in the stadium, then see ya. Get out of here. Like, and That's Mexican so, baseball at a T. Yeah, it's not If you not don't show easy. up every night, because there's people that want that cash, man. Yeah, so affiliated baseball where you get, they put some, a little money in you, you get at least you know, a couple years to develop. That's important because you need those chances to fail because swinging that wood bat is hard. Suddenly you're seeing the bat, you know, the Friday night starter that you saw in the SEC, you see him every day, every inning in pro baseball, right? The best, and as a pitcher, you're seeing the three-hole hitter from every team. It fills out every spot in the lineup. That's how the funnel narrows in pro baseball. So to act like, like you said, like these fringy college baseball players who might be able to play pro, if they're not getting those that year or two to try to hack it and, and get some chances in affiliate ball, they're going to really, I mean, independent ball, A, they're going to be filled. Like there's not, there's only so many roster spots. There's no extended spring fair? training. Huh? You think it'd be fair to say that most MLB organizations too aren't just going to have open doors next year because they already have investments in these guys that missed the year. Yeah. You I know mean, what I'm saying? They're going to not really just hand sign these seniors next year. It's going to be tough to even get into an affiliated organization. Yeah, it's gonna be a log jam everywhere. Which, and I, I remember, I was very unhappy with this one Twitter thread, and there was a parent who clearly he was upset that they were giving seniors their eligibility back or everyone their eligibility back, and he was complaining. He's like, these seniors, they come back, they're already dead. Like they can't, they're not getting drafted. No one wants to sign a you know a twenty three year old college fifth year senior. He's like, the, you know, this shouldn't happen. These guys you know, we got to look to the younger generations. And I look at his Twitter profile and he's got a high school senior and he's got a, a college sophomore. Those are his kids. So I'm like, clearly you just want your kids to get through playing time now. Like you want it to be their time. You don't want some other, someone above them to come back and now steal the innings that they were waiting for. But as you guys both know, there's no waiting your turn in, in pro sports. No. If you don't like it, just be better than them. And that, and that's again, like back to our freshman Example, if you're 88 to 90 as a freshman and you're, you know, yeah, their seniors are coming back, well, you could be better than them. Be 90-93 with a slider and just be better than those seniors and come back, seniors, and then you can sit the bench and I'll play because I'm better than you. I mean, that's unfortunately the attitude kids have to have if you're underclassmen. There's, there's no blanket. Be better than the seniors. Come back. Yeah, there's no blanket answer. If you're good, no. if you're good, make a decision based on where you're at. Work if hard you're, now. If you're, if you're mediocre, make a decision on where you're at. There's no blanket answer. Yeah. I mean, financially, it's gonna it financially is gonna speak more than anything. If that kid's 88 to 90 and the Division One school he's going to give him 80 percent, are you gonna get 80 percent coming out of junior college? Are can you afford to go to junior college? Maybe a junior college doesn't have financial uh, money for you. Or I mean, even though it might only be six, seven, eight grand, that's still money. It's, you know, money's not especially now. Money's money talks. People like money. They're into money. Money. What do we say the other day? People, uh, people with sales thrive, drive business, right? Sales do money. drive business. Yeah. I mean, strong. I mean, speak on the, the pecking order in baseball. I mean, is baseball fair? <laughs> no, <laughs> look at Bobby Stevens. The guy had to <laughs> sit his turn in Frederick so many times because of a draft status. The guy was playing awesome and you get on a roll and hey, now you got to sit for five days. Hang with well, him. Or even me. I mean, I was our later pick. I mean, I just tried to get in there and throw hard, and I was intense because I didn't want anybody to take that 
that guy's batting eat my lunch money and then oh you need to chill out no man when you're pumped up and you go in and dominate it's that's that's my money that's my life if i don't pitch good and get a little fired up then i'm going to sit out there and just ease it in there that's not my mentality and then whatever i do after if i want to have a beer and do a few things that's fine i'll go home sleep and be ready to play the next day i mean you can honestly say i was never on the dl and never not one time turned down the ball so what else do you want in your organization? I that's where I'm still at a loss. Like I was never hurt. And people, oh, you here's have the, to be quiet sometimes. Nah. So so it's, here's the here's the issue with the two affiliated guys talking right now. That like two idiots. Uh, we were we were with Baltimore. So quick story is in spring training. I'm standing in the infield like we're doing our whatever work, and I'm standing there with a guy who came from the A's and a guy who came from the Braves and myself, both older than me, probably six years older than me. I'll, Sean, I'll tell you who they were afterwards. You, you know both these guys. And honestly, God, the quote out of their mouth was, what the fuck are we doing? And I'm like, I'm standing there, and it's like my second spring training, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, what are we doing? Like, what, what is this? We were, I mean, we were, I was standing as a middle infielder watching pitchers on working field number two do PFPs, like, one threes or three ones or whatever the hell they were doing. And we were just standing there. And these guys were like, this is a shit show. So the, I had a, to back to that is like Sean said, they never turned the ball down. Like I was sent back to wherever I was sent back to multiple times. It's like the organization we were with is notorious for have not having a plan. Like if, like when I had my meeting in spring training with the head of the minor leagues, he didn't even know my name. And I was like, well, what do I have to do to get out of here? And he's like, well, you got to, you got to, you? you know, right. Like, yeah. You know, he, How did you he get had here? The, it was him and the hitting coordinator. And they had my file there, like looking at my numbers from the year before. And they're like, well, like you need more at bats at this level. I was like, well, am I going to be the starter? And they're like, no. I said, well, if I'm going to be a backup, like why wouldn't my numbers clearly sit show that I'm good enough to back up moving up like move me up and put me at the back up at that level and I have a buddy in Chicago now who's with the Marlins who tells us told me a story about uh there was a third baseman and the guy was in double a and he's like what do I have to do to get to the big leagues and the coordinator said you know hit 20 bombs hit 320 it's the only way you're going to get to the big leagues and he hit like 317 with like 22 bombs and they gave him a call up it's like give me you could we didn't have that like, Sean, you're going to close. You need to have on a sub two. You get into September, we'll move you up. It, it didn't matter. Like, he, he, there was no – I heard the phrase, you know, you know, if you play well, you're going to get more opportunities. And there was honestly a, a time when I was with the Orioles where I was leading the league in triple crown numbers. I don't want to get into my own career because it's irrelevant. But I was a triple – I was batting average home runs, RBIs. I led the whole league we were in, the Carolina League. And I sat for seven straight days and I, I, and I play everywhere. Like I put me in center field, put me at first base, put me at shortstop. I played everywhere. It's like, you can't find one spot in the lineup to put me at. I'm the arguably the best player in the league right now, just numbers wise. So that's, you know, professional baseball is cutthroat and everybody understands the business. And I get that but Sean gets it. It's a business, but if there's no clear outline of, you know, here's what you have to do to advance in your career. Then you're just sitting there with these two big leaguers yeah. standing next to me thinking, what the fuck is going on here? Like why? Yeah, we're, we're, just, you're lost. we're just, we're sure just you're fillers. Lost. We're fillers for the guys that you've handpicked to move up the ladder, which is a lot of minor league baseball. Like you don't need all these levels. If you've only got two or three prospects per team, 
but you got to give, there's got to be something for these guys. Like guys play their way to the big leagues and organizations all the time. I was with the Braves for a half a year and it was amazing. They told me they're like, we're going to start you in high A and we're going to move you to double A, you know, at this date. And it was like two days after that date and they moved me up and I was hitting like shit. I was playing like shit, but it was like, you're going to move up and you're going to fill this role. And if you can't fill the role, you're going to be gone. It's okay. Like, and they did it. Yeah. It was People can handle that. Yeah. I can, if I, if I fail, I fail. Like that's fine. But give me something. Give me, you know, dangle the carrot. Like if you can't, if you can't do that, then it's indicative of where that organization has been the last decade and a half. Yeah. I mean, how do you go from my year with 35 saves, more than likely the hardest relieving thrower in the organization that year, maybe, if not close, get a token for two weeks to go up to triple A, do just fine, then come back for the playoffs. And then next year you don't even get to close in double A. <laughs> well, we've signed we've signed guys from the Nationals and other that are gonna be sitting in double A. So they're just back to a normal reliever. There's just yeah. no plan. There was no, you know, that's it, a fact, a man. They didn't stick to word. You're a filler. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of stuff, like you for people who haven't played at that level, it's hard to find a corollary like in real life. Like that would never find business. Like people would be leaving that company immediately like people want to have some idea of whether they're doing well or not like am i doing good at my job like my numbers say like 290 is good right oh but i'm not playing you know it's like you look at performance numbers as a salesman or just anything and companies have you know they have something to give people an yeah, idea of what they're doing it's hard to relate to the business world because guys that are <clears throat> in the business world now you can get a new job like from the baseball you can't you just there's those jobs don't exist yeah, you that's can't what's hit three, You can't hit 320 and not get moved up to double A and say, all right, well, see ya. Like, I'm going to go play for these guys. Like, they own you. Yeah. And that's a, you know, whatever. It might be a broken system. It might not be. I mean, there really is. There's no union. I saw, you know, Ty Kelly and another guy are starting, like, a, a rights for minor league guys. And I, mm-hmm. I almost think it's, like, a lost cause. Like, how, they're just going to find guys that don't sign that – that legislation paper they're just going to find them because there's plenty of baseball players there's guys from these islands that have come here for nothing and they don't give a fuck what what the contract says they just want to get out and you're the american kid or you're the guy that's you know wants you know paid throughout the year and you want to be a full-time employee of the organization like a big leaguer and you're just not you're, okay go, they're gonna tell go, you right Bob, if you don't like it play better Get a new career. This is yeah. what we do. They're not going to beat yeah. the MLBPA. That thing's so strong. I mean, well, it's not even that. It's the owners and yeah. the minor leagues. Like, why? I wouldn't pay those guys. Like, you're talking to a guy who played. I wouldn't pay. You want me? Why would I pay minor leaguers anything more? I'm not saying they don't deserve it, but why would I? I'm making money how it is. I have a, I have an, uh, unlimited amount of, um, labor. Like that, whether or not that labor is good, I fill that team in a, a heartbeat. There's guys in the Atlantic League that'll take those jobs for 900 bucks a month and not think twice about it. And I would have taken one too when I was playing independent ball. Like, there's just you don't have leverage if you're an A ball player. You just don't play. You, you're you're stuck in the situation you are. Hopefully, you get into a good situation where they value you as a player and a as a performer. Well, and from a business standpoint. It makes sense. It makes some amount of sense to take care of your employees and pay them 
a little more than the minimum that you could possibly, but it's like, Hey Bobby, like you, you need me to mow your lawn. I'll do it for $20. It's kind of insane for you then to pay me $30 when I would accept $20. Like as a business, like businesses are not people. Now businesses are run by people, but at the same time, if Sean will mow my lawn for $15 and I'll mow it for 20, why would you pay either of us 30? If we look, if we accept the terms of like, this is what we'll, you know, and so, you know, you talk about companies where if, uh, you know, a Starbucks barista will be happy making 10, but Starbucks pays them 12 because Starbucks believes in, in treating their employees better, which they, they do that. They're a good company. Like they, they, I think they pay higher and they get better benefits than they, they would have to. Um, there's definitely some benefit in that company, like loyalty of your employees to your brand going above and beyond because you feel, you know, taken right. care of. Those are all important things, but at the same time, Starbucks can't like, that's going to run out. They can't say, okay, well, you know, our, our employees at X level would have accepted $12 an hour, but we pay them 14 because we believe it's the right thing to do. You can't keep going up. Like if they said, well, now we're going to make it 16. Now we're going to make it 18. Then at some point it hurts the business. And also the gains that they got of loyalty and, and hardworking, all those things, they're going to start to taper down. They're going to run out. And then people are going to be like, Oh, well, I'm just worth 16. And it's like, no, you're not. Um, you know, it's just going to run out at some point. So paying minor league or 1200 bucks a month is clearly exploitative and bumping them up to 1600 or 1800 may probably makes a lot of sense because they can eat better food. They can, they can focus better on training in the winter. There's a lot of stuff they can do, but bumping them up to $8,000 a month, does that improve it in proportion to the amount of extra pay you have to give them when they would accept 1600? Probably well, not. Like, there's a point. There's a point. There's a point. Be yeah. careful what you wish for. You give, you give, a single A guy five grand a month and you hit one sixty for the month of April. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. See ya. You like, yeah, you yeah. Want, you do, yeah, you're oh, not you're not the, getting that leeway. Like now it's now it's per, now it's indie ball. Now it's you perform yeah. or get the get out. And yeah. that's hey, that's okay. You know, you reap what you sow. You want that? Like those there's gonna be negative effects across the board if they raise it. I'm not saying they shouldn't raise it like those guys. I wish I had more money in minor league baseball. You know, that's sure. so does Sean. So do you, so does, so do you, Dan, like yeah. everybody wants more money. Like, no, who doesn't yeah. want more money? Businesses so, like making money. They like yes. making sales and People humans like, like money, money, especially well, now. technically too, in your seven year contract or six spring trainings, you can negotiate. Cause I went in one time. It's not set. It's set. It is set, but I went in and I said, well, what does it take to you the more? Well, you know, next year, if you're a free agent, I mean, there should be some incentive where you could talk about having a previous year, maybe for a three percent raise or something over the the minimum allowed if you're doing the right thing and being responsible. But like the you said, I mean, some guy's gonna sign for eight hundred bucks, you know, throwing the years is the problem. Dominican. Yeah, the years is make the it problem. three years and be done. So you have yeah, when you draft a guy and you own him for seven years, like literally own his rights for seven years. You know, you come out of college, you're 21 years old. They, they give you till you're 28. You're done. You're a, you're a, you're done in professional baseball at 28 years old. If you haven't made it to the big leagues, like you're not making it to the big leagues. Like those stories that whatever that movie was where the, the act, the lefty actor was throwing a hundred, got to the raise. Like that shit doesn't exist. Like, okay. We made one movie like great. That guy, I'm not, Dan, you're not showing up to the park tomorrow, throwing a hundred and getting a shot again. Like that. Doesn't if I threw hundred, I would. If I threw hundred, I would. You wouldn't though. You could get a shot in indie ball, probably, but you're not going. You're not going to. Yeah. Someone's putting you in triple A. Like you, your you're numbers, your resume. Pick. You're a resume. Yeah. 
Rob, do you remember Rob? There's a guy who played with Rob Summer Summerano um, in Camden when I was in Camden. Like, I remember this him. Dude yeah. was, this dude was out of baseball. He comes in chucking like 97 to 100. I mean, he was throwing fuel. He's an Indian. Mm, that was and an exaggeration. Was, it was probably like 94, 95, but he was no, hard. He was throwing harder than that. Regardless, he was throwing very hard. But he also wasn't a, good, right? I, I mean, well, he wasn't he was, good. I, he, he had good outings. Bat, you know, he had he to wasn't get back good into overall. It. Yeah, but he wasn't good. That's I mean, he, regardless, though, I mean, you show up with arm talent. You're just not getting tough. You're not getting, <laughs> you got to stop saying arm talent. No, <laughs> arm talent is a exist. phrase. Yes, it no, does. It's, it's not. A no, it's not. It's called it's arm my, strength. You're not arm a strength. scout, Dan. I'm a, I'm, a scout. I'm a scout. Arm talent? Yeah, arm, arm talent. talent? talent in on. his arm. That's why you We're didn't gonna... get it, Blue. Blue, you didn't make it because you threw 94 with bad arm talent. You know, bad, you had bad arm Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I wish oh. you had better arm talent. Arm talent. Good God. Um... <laughs> That guy was a good example, and that's part. Of, that's one of the things that irks me about um, this culture of I'm not going to play baseball. I'm just going to train for baseball and do weighted balls all year and just throw into a net and do live at bats until I can throw 98. Then I'm going to go play pro baseball and make it to the top. Those guys stink. You, they seem, like you're, you stink. seem like you're referencing someone specifically. No, there's, group, there's lots of guys. A group of well, people. Yeah, it's 1,000% drive line. That's good. I do I'll know one. It. it is what it is. I mean, it there's they lots of people. But not even arm can handle that, bro. I would go. I went there in 2014 and worked out due diligently. But when you throw that three arm, dude, three ounce ball, my elbow felt like I was putting it on a coat hanger and just walking out like this, like a puppet. And it's not for everybody, man. And if you don't have the tools to rehab and be there every day and eat right, look at the guys who do have dry. Out. You got Lorenzen. That guy's a freak. You got Trevor Bauer. He's a freak. It's like anything yeah. else, though. If you have. It, it, lifting, well, no, my, lifting. The secret is lifting. Like get yes, strong. I as lost fuck. that. I lost that. Yep. Strength matters. Well, my point was 1, not about. Percent. My point was not about their program. My point was about just the mindset of some of these players that they just want to get on a program. I have like I I don't have an opinion about driveline anymore. I think they do a lot of really good stuff. I think there's some stuff in the past that I was like, eh, but I don't have an opinion on on what they're doing. My my point is the athlete that says, I don't want to play baseball. I just want to go to a facility, whether it's theirs or anyone else's, and I just personally want to train Skip the and not actually play baseball until I just throw 96 to 100 or whatever, and then I'm going to go and, like, then I'm going to climb the ladder. And, th- and my point was only that when those guys do that, they come in like this guy was, and they stink. They stink at pitching. They don't throw enough strikes. They're, two, they're throwing 2-1 two fastballs, 96 down the middle, and they get destroyed. I mean, that's – that's like people don't think I think at times that pitchers actually have to have skill at pitching like you do and you, start yeah, to like, you can't you, teach that you, well you learn it from pitching baseballs I mean you got better as you went throughout your career I got better statistically every year I played I didn't throw harder every year I was 90 to 94 my whole pro career and I got better at pitching every year because I was pitching a lot and I was smart and I focused and learned and, and you're doing a job you know like you're doing a job. You're observing hitters. You're you're learning how to make pitches under pressure and all these things. You don't get any of that when you're just throwing a ball into a net 12 months out of the year. And again, like there are some good weighted ball programs. There are some good training programs. I don't have. I, I, I could care less about what facility you're doing at, and I'm not demonizing any facility, but just like that mindset. That yeah, that mindset of I can be a I can be a major leaguer by just throwing into a net for two years until I throw hard enough, and then I'll just go to the big leagues. That doesn't work. 
It just doesn't. Correct. It I doesn't. Agree. Yeah, their program and stuff. I mean, <clears> they made me. I'll tell you what. It kept your arm in way good, con- way better condition. I'll tell you that. It's a grind up there, and I felt awesome leaving. But like you said, you just can't. Oh, you're gonna come so now we're gonna have scouts pick you up and all of a sudden you're in the big leagues. No, it just doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. And you see some of those guys. What's your best what's your best relief outing ever? My best relief outing ever? Yeah. I have one and I remember it. Um, I don't know if you were there. For me, and this was like the pinnacle of my career. Um, and it was a story I, I replayed in my book. It was really special to me. I was in Long Island and it was a Sunday day game. My business partner Lucas uh came to watch. He came out for like a four-day trip to catch a couple of games. And it was the bottom of the ninth. We were down two to one. The, other, the, the Long Island Ducks closer was in. And I was the setup guy to that point. I had like a 180 RA. I was, I was doing – it was the best season of my career this 2015. And so they called down the bullpen, which was over the outfield fence. And like, hey, you know, Blue, if we tie it, you're in the game. We're, we have two outs. Their closer was dealing that year. We have a guy hitting who was a former big leaguer who – I hated. He was a, a huge, huge dick to me. Um, anyway, what team was this? Was Where the River Sharks. It was hey. a team. Anyway, third baseman. Yeah, yeah. This guy was three Dickie. two count. You know Dicky Bob. Yeah, three two count. Three two. So you know Dicky. Oh two. Uh, two outs. We're down to our last strike, and I'm over there. There's no one on base. We're down two to one. I'm like, I'm not gonna pitch. Like you know, whatever. So I'm like tossing the ball like a grenade and then fouls the ball off. He fouls the ball off, takes a pitch, takes a pitch, fouls the ball off. Takes, he gets like a 12 pitch at bat. And then suddenly, cause I was below the, I couldn't see the field. I hear yeah, I boom ball crushes the second tier of, uh, of, you know, wooden advertising over the debt over dead center. He takes him deep on like the 12th or 13th pitch of the bat three, two ties the game at two with two outs. I haven't warmed up at all. And they're like, Hey, blue, it's in the game. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> so I furiously, which this is the good thing about not having time is that you, your adrenaline because you're like, Oh crap. Uh, and you just like get red. I was just throwing missiles as fast as I could to get loose. Our next hitter um, gets out. He has a kind of long about, which helps me, but it was like four minutes. And then I'm running out to the field and uh tie game on the road at Long Island is tough because they have like 4,000 fans. They're very engaged. It's a great place to play. Like they do an awesome job. I played there the next year. So anyway, the first inning I get like, uh, you know, I get through the first, the, the ninth inning tied. And then the 10th inning I go back out. And um, so in, 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 the, it's in the ninth or 10th, I'm like getting so old that I like forget my own stories. Okay. So in the 10th inning, I have this long about with Lou Ford, who was like a, journeyman like he's 40 years old he's an amazing player he eventually gets me for a single to right field he gets the second base with one out um a pop-up is dropped in the infield by the same guy who hit the home run and so i have to get an extra out and uh they come up they're big hitter this guy's six foot five he's got a real slow bat like we have you know we all talk in the bullpen you go through your scouting reports this huge dude with a really slow bat but he's got a lot of power comes up and he's walking up with one out and the time and the winning run on second and the whole Long Island crowd gets super excited. They get up, they're, they're cheering. He's like, you know, you would, they're excited that they got their big guy. This is going to be it. He gets up and I just, I'm angry because the pop-up just dropped the winning runs on second and I'm just pissed and I bear down and I'm like, this guy sucks. He can't hit my fastball. I throw the hardest pitch of my life at his belt and it goes right by him. He swings. 
catcher, you know, puts down fastball again, and I throw the piss out of it at his belt, same spot, right by him again, not even close. And my catcher puts down a two, and I'm like, no. And then I just throw, again, like the hardest fastball in my career, right by him at the letters, swings through like a slow barn door. And this whole, and this crowd, as I strike him out on three consecutive fastballs, the whole crowd goes, oh, like the, they're all at their feet, just cheering, 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 and it, oh, at once. And it was just this really intense moment. And that was one of the things that I was always hoping I get to experience at higher levels where you have huge crowds, like that stuff happening at the big league level. It's just got to be an amazing feeling. But for me, like just pumping that third fastball by him and then just getting the ball back and like, this is my, my mound. Um, that was like probably my favorite moment where I felt like I was the best pitcher I ever was at that moment mentally, like being aggressive and just like owning and like dominating. Like this is me at my best. Um, and that was my best season. And that, that was just like, for me, I feel like that was a, an emotional peak of my whole baseball career. So your story, sir. I think your best outing was in Southern Maryland when he came in with Second, third, you walked the first guy on four heaters up, then punched out the side, then came out the next inning and went one, two, three, and we won. I did that? I don't remember yeah. how. I don't no out, that. bro. And he, he, he couldn't even come in and blew it through three of the catcher's mask. And I was like, all right, pumping too. And then figure it out and then punch out three. Bases loaded. That was pretty good. And used his changeup on two strikeouts. If I had Dan Blue's changeup, I would have been – Easily in the show. If I knew how to throw, if I knew how to throw any of my all speed, but any of my all speed pitches, maybe I would have got a chance. I mean, like looking back, trying to just be realistic about like what I personally could do and what I couldn't. I just wasn't good at throwing my all speed stuff for strikes. I just like never was. But I mean, you didn't have to throw it. Yeah, but to like be at that's that level, thing. you you do. Like my fastball was. Yeah, but special, you don't know that. But that's true. So you you're right. face it a lot. Look that's at me. In, in minor leagues, I was a two-seamer, a slider, and an occasional changeup as a starter, and I had the best ERA two years in a row as a starter. Won 12 games, and who knows? But you don't have that changeup. My first double-A, I went up. I picked one game in high. Go to double-A, face the Indians when they had an all-star team in double-A, and I gave up 11 hits and eight runs in two innings, and you're out of there. See ya. And you're with, and you're with Jake Arrieta. Troy Patton, Bobby Livingston, all these big leaguers, and you're learning from them. And the first day is like, hang with them, kid. That was your best. Later. That was your best outing. <laughs> that best was, outing in double A. Dude, the game like that. Done. Uh, hey, do um, you still have your necklace, bro? With your, your no, you rocking? No. Like he's got a house. No, you gave that up? No, it's gone. I don't know where that's at. Oh, um, probably back at trivia. Yeah, so right. Spe speak a little bit on learning from older guys, because one of the things that I, I think like the podcast culture, especially people listen to podcasts because they want to hear what thought leaders and CEOs and, you know, celebrities want to say, or what they have to say, how they got where they were, what do they do? What's their routine? Like, what did you learn as someone? Cause yeah, when you're in the Oriole system, both of you guys, like there are guys like Jake Arrieta, there are a lot of guys that are well-known names now, either on, you know, on your side or playing against them. But Tell me about the culture of learning from other players. Like, what did you pick up? Like, how does that whole sort of like exchanging information and how did you develop your routines? Like, how did you develop different pitches? Like, what, what did you take from other guys? Both of you. And that's a question for both of you guys. Go ahead, go ahead Bob. Uh, there you go. 
in baseball, I mean, as far as a pitcher, you have a lot of downtime after you do your PFPs and then you're out there conditioning and then you shag for almost two hours of these guys hitting. So, you, I mean, I didn't really per se ask a lot, but, you know, because the big leaders, they want their own time to shag and this and that, or if they come down, they'll help you. But you always talking grips or maybe how to better yourself on the mound, I guess it's, it turned into a mental game because there's so many hitters you start seeing and what did he do this time? And how do you slow him up? How do you speed him up or talking counts? I mean, any information is good information, right? Cause you don't have to take everything. You can kind of pick through it and feed through it. And I would try oh, things. No. I mean, you had a guy that had a lot of feel Eddie Gamboa and you try to throw his change up or I try a different, I mean, it's all feel and you have to keep experimenting and experimenting, but you don't ever rule anybody out because you're all there because somewhere along the line, someone thought you were pretty good and you could help a major league club at some point in time. If you projected out that sweet word of projectability, you know, but sometimes you don't get the chance or you talk to people to try to get other opportunities in the line, you know, say, Hey, well, I talked to Patton and then, you know, it's one of those things that, what I learned from most is maybe just to see what they did versus asking me to, you know, who a big leaguer is in the room. Cause he's really strong, really physique and take care of himself. And he doesn't say a whole lot because you don't have to say a whole lot. He has his routine. So you just kind of want to mirror that in pieces that might work for you. Like Ariette, I mean, that guy didn't talk to anybody. He went about his business, did his thing and dominated. The only thing he had a problem with is he was, he had the worst problem. He was so nasty. He didn't know how to control it. He had four plus pitches in double A that the catcher that had big league time and was down there backing up was just getting thumbed to death. So somebody like that, he probably can't even tell you what he's doing or learn from them. You know, you just kind of watch. Yeah. yeah. And you keep an open mind, like you say, you know, don't say too much, just be a sponge. <clears throat> and that's how I felt like I could get tips and things versus trying to pull somebody aside and maybe rub them the wrong way. But I'm sure, you know, fielding is different. Yeah, I mean, the position player stuff is tough because so the what I would what I struggle to to convey to people is like you have your guys that are going to be in the lineup every day and you have your guys that are going to be spot guys. Your you know, your your prospects versus your non prospects. So what's tough about hitting is when I'm you know, I'm talking to somebody, you know, whoever, whoever's on the team, like you're talking approach, you're talking to, to the coach about, you know, what do you, you know, what are you looking for? What are we doing? But, you know, if you go 0 for 2 with two walks, you know, you maybe barrel a ball, like that's not a terrible day as a hitter. Like you get something out of that. But if you're not a guy in the lineup every day, like you can't afford to have those quality at bats, like you need results. So I, you yeah. know, you need to be two for four to get in the lineup again the next day. So it's like, you know, where do you draw the line of like, I know this is a good approach, but I can't take that approach. Cause I can't, I can't, I'm not going to be in the lineup tomorrow. Like I'm not, you know, minor leagues is not team baseball and that's, it's not wrong. It's not team baseball. It's individual. Like you need to play for yourself and a lot depends on the manager like if your manager is playing team baseball it could fuck you as a player and that's just the reality of the situation like if you're the guy that's got to lay down sack bunts or you get hit and runs but you're at the mercy of the guy at first base doesn't run and then that goes in the report like these reports are written every night 
and you don't know what's in it. Like Sean could go nine pitches, you know, three punchies. Perfect inning. Yeah. And, and the report on him could be like, he's shaken off their scouting report. Like you don't even know what the report says. And it's, it's tough. Like minor, you know, so kind of back to what you pick and choose from guys. Like I, there's a lot, I played with, um, or for Denny Hawking, who was a bench coach, you know, a utility guy in the big leagues. If you look at his career, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's played in a lot of positions. He's a switch hitter. Like he's a guy you learn from cause he's in that situation all the time, but it's hard to, you know, it's hard to ask somebody, a coach or a player who's not in the same situation as you, you know, you could, like you said, you could ask Arietta, you know, how are you throwing your slider? Like that dude just has stuff. Like he came yeah. out of the womb throwing sliders that you can't touch. Like you just can't do it. And he has that run in the big leagues where he's literally the greatest pitcher ever. But for that time, for that, for that period of time, he was the greatest pitcher ever. Nobody could Fun match watch, what, they, man. what this kid yeah. was doing. Um, so like Sean said, you take a little bit from what you, you know, routine is the biggest one. I think you can take from guys, you know, what are you doing pregame? What are you doing? You know, there's guys that in, in, um, batting practice that'll stand at positions. They don't play in the game and take a hundred ground balls and chew up the field. And you're, you're the guy like, dude, let me get my routine in. Let me get my 15 ground balls. Let me get my, you know, uh, let me get my reads off the bat and then go shag. Like you're in the outfield all the time. Like how many times would you have to bounce from position to position because the center fielder wanted to get his reads in center field? Like the routine is what you take, you know, the routine and the thought process of how you're going to approach an at bat against a guy with, you know, fastball slider against a guy with fastball changeup. Like that stuff is invaluable yeah. information to somebody who's been in the box or been on the mound. Um, where you can just listen and they're talking and it's like, this is stuff that you just can't get from your, your online, from your Twitter coach. Like you're just not going to get that. Twitter so, coach. Hell yeah, right. the Twitter coach. <laughs> <laughs> Pay me to be a Twitter coach. Bobby loves it's Twitter. Money. It's good money if you can get it. I just well, got a notification this morning that somebody in Russia was trying to hack my Twitter. So really? That's probably Bobby's accomplice trying to snake me out. Just trying to get a little inside info on you. Yeah. That's the thing, well, though. I mean, like, Bobby, you try to model yourself after Denny Hawking, but, again, some guys just don't want to teach it. They just, hey, I just did it. Well, it's not you even modeling, right? You good report with right? they loved you, though. People it's not even you modeling too, right? after they him. They play you. Yeah, it's not modeling. Like, it's just the you, – you're at the – you what do you, you got to take what you can and, and apply it to your own game. Like, your game is your game, and, you know – some guys figure their game out sooner. Some guys get to the big leagues and their game, they got their game figured out. Like they, they're, they're, they're here and you're here and you got to get there. You got, you know, yeah. you've got an infinite, you got a finite amount of time to get there and you're not, your performance isn't in, isn't the only thing indicating whether or not you move up, you know, no, who's, your slot who's ahead of you? You're paid. Who's ahead of you? Yeah. Who's ahead of you? Who do, who do we have money invested in? Who do, you know, who do we need at bats? Who do we need to get at bats? because our scouts have identified like they've got the tool or tools that we want and who takes a backseat to that and who's making the decisions. I mean, I, you know, like we talked about with the Orioles, you know, I, all organizations are different. Maybe it's more of a collective, but a lot of, it felt like a very top down. This is what we do. This is, this is who I want here playing. And if somebody outplays where I have them, like fucking tough, 
deal with it. Like yeah. you're not, you're not outplaying my ranking of where you sit on our, on our totem pole. So it's, you know, whether that was the case or not, it's just my perceived case of not just myself, like, cause Sean, you know, but I played with guys in the Orioles minor league system that sh- no doubt should have gotten a shot in the big leagues. Like not want any of us to, or, you know, specifically Especially just, a catcher. Brian Ward should have no doubt there were dudes with talent and performance that performed well enough to get moved and to get a shot that didn't. And it's just the, just a way of life and tough, you know, that's, that's how life goes. And there's not, you don't need to be bitter about it or have a, have a negative feeling towards your It's just, you don't understand it. And that you, for whatever reason, they didn't get their shot. And it's like this across all 30 major league organizations. Everybody's got a story like that. Every, you know, there's somebody you played with that probably should have got a shot that never did, but it's, you know, like how you were talking about earlier, like you just got to take what's going to work for you. And, you know, to, similar to how Dan and I were talking a few episodes ago, like feel versus real. Like if I got to think swing straight down to the ball, because that's what gets me to, to a swing that peppers the outfield wall. Like that's what you do. And you, it's individualized. Yeah. Well, and that's, and I think back to your point about some of these guys that slide out of the womb throwing turbo slot, turbo sinkers. I mean, that's not to undercut like the fact that I'm sure Jake area at a, well, he is like a super hard worker. Right. But you guys have been in clubhouses where guys just walk in and they're just different than everybody else. Right. And our other mutual friend, Zach was also in the Orioles situation. And he said the same thing. Like Arietta was just different than everyone else. He was just, if he worked the same amount of hard as everyone else, he was still exponentially better than them. And he's that's a like dude. a it, yeah. It's just it's a it's an athletic blue, gift. blue chipper, man. Blue chipper yeah. of it's steel just, in the fifth round. Yeah, and some round. athletes are just different, and and that's what's hard for all of us is being probably Sean's probably the least close to like the baseline of like average. Who like I had to work super hard to be better than average. I think Bobby's probably the same way. Oh, Sean, you you're a very no average man. Player. I. Oh. I'm not saying you weren't, Sean. I'll tell, I'm just you, Bob, like, Bob, I'll tell you, though, Bob's routine, man, like every day he was an example in the clubhouse. He didn't come in and mess around and jack No, no, that wasn't, that wasn't, my, though, po- that wasn't, my, no, that wasn't my point. My point was that, like, Bobby's not as much of a big league body. I'm not, I'm not 6'3", like, 220. Yeah, that, that like, was, yeah that but was neither was David Eckstein, man. I mean, I don't even know. Look at Clark. He's a big league. He has a star on his name, and I envy that. No, no, no. Was, that, that wasn't my point. My point was just like that there are, when you go to watch some of these like really high level D1 schools, you see athletes that don't exist in the real world. Like I remember three years ago, I saw my alma mater UMBC play at Mizzou. And there was one dude on Mizzou who's like 6'5". He had super long yeah. legs. His hamstrings were bulging out of his baseball pants. He had a ball opposite field, like to the warning track. It just glided to third base. It's like, what what are you? You're not normal. That's like Machado, yeah. man. He played and that's what two, you see. Mm-hmm. two games at third base, Machado. Two games at third base. Then you're in the big leagues, and you win the platinum glove that year? Or the next year, whenever I was like, give me a break. Do was a freak. Kids, yeah, kids, and you got Jonathan got Scope talent. that throws 98 on a, on a turn. Yeah. What and a I think shower can guy. A, can barely find a job. Yeah, and I think some what parents a shower guy. don't understand like what that looks like sometimes, that a lot of these guys in the big leagues, your kid never looked like them and will never look like them. Like your kid, if you're like, if your kid Max Scherzer, and again, this is not discounting any of these guys work ethic at all. It's just like, 
I'm sure Max Scherzer was Max Scherzer when he was seven years old and every year as he progressed, just like Jake Arrieta was Jake Arrieta at every year where he just was like better than everyone, no matter what field he stepped on, looked different, always stuck out. No, you know, again, and that's, and when those guys don't work very hard, their talent sinks and maybe they don't become what they would become. But when they work super hard, like Scherzer and, and all those guys, they become untouchable. Whereas like, I never ever had the potential to be, to have like the stuff that Jake Arrieta has, you know? And that's just like, I think the difference that sometimes parents don't understand with their kids, like my kid's going to the big league. It's like, no, your kid doesn't have the big league body athleticism, like genes. Like there is definitely a difference that, I mean, you've seen, like you walk in the clubhouse, Those guys like, make it too, that though. dude, that dude is different. Those guys make it too, though. I mean, there's their whatever top percentage of the big leaguers are just yeah, freak sure. athletes. Like, and then sure. there's that, then there's that fatty middle part of the, of big, all big leaguers that are hard workers with talent. And then there's the guys with very little talent that are just extreme workers that are diligent and consistent. And, you know, where do you, like most parents don't want to accept that their son is not in that top rung of super athlete, uh, you know, freakishly top 1% athlete in the whole world. Yeah. Their son probably falls in that middle category. Maybe he's a good athlete or may, or sometimes maybe he's like a less than good athlete, but he's a good performer and he works hard. Yeah. So he's going to outplay his, where his talent would just naturally let him fall. And yeah. that's, you know, everybody falls into one of those three categories. The freaks are the guys that you want to kind of listen, but not necessarily mimic everything they're doing because you they're can't just, do it. they're, yeah. you, you, maybe you can mechanically, but you know, if your mechanics look just like Scherzer's, like he's throwing a hundred, you're going to throw 92. Like that's just the physical nature yeah. of your body. So there's, yeah. you know, a lot, yeah. The disillusionment or the, the, you know, the, you know, the disconnect with some parents is like, look, your son is not, he's not even the fastest kid on his 12 U team. Like he's not the best athlete <laughs> walking the, walking the neighborhood. Like yeah. you, that, that kid has, has higher potential and I hate the word potential, but he's got his ceiling. Like that kid could go really far if he puts his talent with his work ethic. Like you're just, you, where does your kid fall athletically? Yeah. That's what well, bugs me on the yeah. parenting side is they have a hitting coach and a pitching coach, but at the end of the day, you still got to do baseball things. Those hitting coaches and pitching coaches aren't going to get you to the next level. If you go home and don't work. You can so have the money best tied up hitting coach if you only hit 30 minutes a week. If you only hit 30 minutes a week with that guy, you're not going to be as good as the kid who hits 30 minutes a day. And that kid has no coach. Like that kid's just going to hit better if your talent is the same. That kid's going to hit better because he's just yeah. hitting and he's playing catch and he's doing things. To, you know, like a guy told me last week when I was doing a little kid infield thing, he told the parent, if your kid, when your kid takes 25,000 ground balls, then we'll consider him break, broken into the game. And That's he's a, a big lot. league infielder. Jo a Justin Leone, he was a big leaguer. And the Mariners, Yankees, he told the guy, he said, quit, quit bashing the kid, let him take reps. Until you take 25,000 ground balls, you haven't even tapped into baseball. And the kid's like, a, you, he's right. You need you need play the game. In this rep. That's like, that's like the, the – we don't need to get into the conversation of specializing in sports, but – you know, you want to be the dude, like 
the U.S. puts this, you know, multi-sport athletes are like, you know, the gold standard. Like everybody wants a multi-sport athlete. Go to the rest of the world. Like you go anywhere else. These kids that play soccer, play soccer. They're three years old. You play soccer. Like you be good at it. You play. I was lived in the Czech. Like when I played in the Czech, I lived there. You play soccer or hockey. Like you don't play both. Pick one. If you're going to be good at one, pick one. And the kids that can't be good at either one play baseball. So that's where we were <laughs> at there. But, you know, I got kids that miss baseball games for basketball practice. Like, what in the – are you kidding me? Like, what do we – like, I'm not telling you to pick us one sport because you're 10 years old, but don't tell me you want to be good at one and then play six – you know, go to floor hockey games on Friday night instead of baseball practice and tell me your, how, son, your, how good your son is at baseball. He's just not. He's not repping it out to be good. He's just on the team. He is a participant in the sport – He's not a player. Well, and that goes back to like, you know, as Sean, as you're talking about 25,000 ground balls, you know, who gets their 25,000 ground balls by the time they're nine Dominican, Dominican infielders. Guys that don't get their hands. Yeah. Yeah. They're six years old. Yeah. That's why they're, I mean, that's why so many Latin infielders are so good because, you know, whatever an American kid, however many ground balls an American 12 year olds taken in his life, a Dominican's taken 10 times more, if not more, if not more than that. Just a crazy. If, I mean, if you, combine, hit all the time, if you combine those ground balls with how many jump shots he's taken and how many times he's shot a floor hockey puck, <clears> like, yeah, those, all those reps, all the reps of and time accumulated might add up to the amount of time that someone in from Puerto Rico has played baseball, but that kid has played baseball and we're adding up all the reps of whatever sport they're playing in the U S I mean, this is, gone off the rails a little bit but that's you know that's the reality of the situation you don't need to be a you don't need to specialize but you do if you want to be the dude and if you want to if you want to play past your talent or get up to a level where you think your talent should take you like you need you need to play the sport yeah and would like, you, you agree like be the guy would you agree like too that you're gonna hear a parent well what if my kid gets burnt out? Then it wasn't for him. He doesn't really love what he's doing because I should come home as a dad if I had a son and he'll want to go play catch and he'll want to go hit. The dad that's asking him is trying to live to the kid. You're never going to be burnt out on something you love. Yeah. And that's right? what I think yeah. comes Dan, back you write books. Yeah. You do all kinds of other stuff and you're a smart dude and you write well and you enjoy that. But you also put the time in and no one tells you, hey, you're going to write this book or you're going to do this or Bob, you're going to start a baseball. You, you love baseball like me. Like, I never got burnt out because I loved what I did. I mean, there was times, well, hey, my arm's tired. I'm not going to pitch. I'm going to play infield or I'll hang out this weekend. But, shit, I'm going to get go get some reps, and I love this, and let's play baseball. Yeah, and I had this conversation last night with uh, – with a, I did a client call with a, a great family in San Francisco, and they were asking me, and their son Shane's uh, 12, and said, well, you know, he might want to start lifting weights soon. Like, And we were having a kind of conversation. I told him, I said – the only things you should do at your age are things you absolutely want to do for you that you love. And we talked prior in the conversation about like, do you actually love throwing? And like for me and like for you, Sean and like Bobby, like we all love playing baseball. Like I still love to throw balls. I like, I love to throw baseball. Even when I was playing catch with lessons, when my career was done, I had fun like throwing them back, like acting like I was Brandon Phillips. Like I just always, since I was a kid, I loved throwing a ball. I throw a ball off the wall. I throw walnuts, like we those big green walnut trees in my backyard. I throw those walnuts and trees all day. I throw rocks. I just love throwing and I still do. I miss it. Like I, I need to go to 
go to the national mall and like find a catch partner. But like we work point, probably has big, a tunnel for you. <laughs> big enough. But to your point, like it was never ever a chore for me to like go throw a baseball. And hitting was fun too. I didn't love hitting as much as I loved throwing, but I loved the game in general. I'm sure Bob, you loved hitting and taking ground balls and all that stuff. And like you said, it the whole multi-sport single sport thing. I was a sing, mostly a single sport athlete because I just love baseball and I didn't care about the other sports. Like you could, like you could give me another sports like, okay, I don't want that. Like I want to play baseball and all the best players in the world were the same. They're all the same way. They're just in love with their craft. They want to go hit for an hour every day. They want to go take ground balls all every day. Like you think Andrelton Simmons, That's a key word, bro. They want to, they don't, they have want to. to, they want to. Yeah. And if you want to play other sports, that's completely fine. You just have to understand that you're just not going to be better than someone like me. Like if you're a pitcher and you don't love throwing as much as I do, and we have similar levels of talent, I'm going to just put in so much more work because I, I love doing it. That's just, yeah. that's just the, that's just the algorithm. And it's, and it's easy. And parents, you can't coach that into your kids except by taking them to games and making it a fun experience and making it special. And if you're a dad and you go out and play catch with your kid and it's, it's like, I love doing this with my dad. That's, that's how you make that also a, a special thing. Like, you know, you talk about like a, you know, you, you meet a, a, a girl or you have a girlfriend who loves baseball. She probably loves baseball because it was something she did with her family when she was growing up, you know, like she went to games with her, her mom or dad or family. They were a baseball family. It's the same, same thing. So yeah, I think that that's where it all kind of ties back. Like you said, like if you don't enjoy it, you're going to get burned out from it. Yeah. I mean, I had a, like we split off teams. You have multiple teams at youth levels. Like we split off teams and I had some angry parents, you know, especially with like a few of the high school teams, because, you know, I split them off on a variety of factors, what I know about the kid, what I see from him in the winter and then based on need. And, you know, I got a few phone calls and parents were like, are you, you know, are you effing kidding me? Like you're going to punish my son for, you know, he, he was a wrestler or a basketball player. So you didn't see him like in the winter. It's like, look, your son's a multi-sport athlete. Fantastic. Like I commend the kid for having time management skills, for having the ambition to want to do multiple things, but yeah, it's great. He's not going to make the, he's not going to get a spot just because he's a multi-sport athlete. Like I don't get, I'm the baseball coach. I don't give a shit about the basketball season. Like I just don't, I'm sorry. Like the kid who showed up, who's going to be the starting third baseman on, you know, team, whatever, a team, or whatever team it is, like, I've seen this kid all winter. I've seen him get better. Like, I know his talent level. I, I have an idea where he's going to go. Like, you're, I, I saw your son at tryouts. That's it. And he's played different sports, and he hasn't picked up a bat in six months. Like, he's just – whether or not his talent is on par or he's better or worse, like, how the hell – how do you know? How do I know? You know, you mm -hmm. got to take a step back and – realize like yeah playing multiple sports I played four sports in high school like it bad you know you get the little check mark on your letterman's jacket and whatever you go to fucking homecoming but <laughs> Did I, you're the I wasn't king too, huh? no I lost I lost me either I lost too but I'm not trying to be I wasn't trying to be the dude at basketball I just liked playing basketball it was a break but I still did baseball like I did I was, I was a baseball player playing other sports and from, you know, yeah, it's, I, maybe I was different. I had the luxury of 
maybe taking a month off of baseball and coming back and being just as good as the other kid who was practicing for that month, you know, I, that's for whatever, but 99% of kids and 99% of amateurs don't get to do, you're not Jake Arietta. You're not taking four months off first bullpen. You're 93 to 95. You're just not. Yeah. Which you, I'm sure Arietta probably didn't take time off either. That's the problem. You get probably yeah. So that's a, that's the whole thing. Is the best athlete isn't doing all the other sports now. Like 2020, if you're an amazing football player, like our best eighth grader player last year, quit baseball to only focus on playing quarterback at fo- for his football team. He's a great athlete. He could do both as a freshman in high school, no doubt, no doubt. He's specializing in one sport. So not only is he best athlete, but he's only doing one sport. You want to be a quarterback on the on the freshman team at his high school? You better get on par with this kid, or you're not going to do it. And you're just going to sit behind him and watch, and then mm-hmm. bitch twenty years later when you're sitting at the corner bar that you should have been the starting quarterback. Like, get the hell out of here! No, you shouldn't have. Like, you didn't work nearly as hard. Like, you didn't have the talent that this kid had plus the work ethic. You just didn't. It's you know, call see the situation for what it is. All right, yeah. you need to you 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 can't have. You can't have both sides. You want to be the best at one, then you need to focus on one. And it's when not it comes to back, knock the kids. That yeah, because strength matters, man. Strength matters when you go back to it. Like you said, I missed out. I could have been better earlier in my life if I would have even more dedicated more to the gym. And not on being this bodybuilder, but fundamentally sound. Where I can protect myself, be energetic, be long-lasting and durable and complete my package as a younger guy. So I knew exactly what to do as I got away from home. Cause then you don't have daddy's hand holding you or mommy. You're on your own out there. I mean, it's either win, do good or you're out. There's no, there's no, there's no middle line in pro ball anymore. People weed you out. You're not good. We don't want them on team. I mean, it's, there's a lot of bullying at the end of the day. People, the big leaders, you know, they want you all the wayside. They don't want you to take their money, but you're trying to take their money. And at the end of the day, you can't play three high school sports and try to take somebody's money in baseball. Like Bobby said, you're like this. You're out there like playing hangman, pulling yourself mm-hmm. in four different ways. And I played basketball because I was good and we needed another guy. But I realized I was 5'10". My vertical was a credit card. And uh, <laughs> we're done. Like, you know. Not everybody's, I loved, I not loved, everybody's Joe Maurer. Not everybody loved, is a all-American basketball player, the number one quarterback, and the number one baseball player. And if you are and you're Joe Maurer and you're a Hall of Famer, like that guy, that dude is the best catcher of his generation, the best athlete of his generation. You're not that guy. And the I sooner you realize that, you can the, name the sooner you realize that, you, the better. Yeah. The sooner, the sooner you can you can get off the fact that Joe Maurer wasn't good at baseball because he was multi-sport athlete. Joe Maurer's good at baseball because he's a freak athlete. Get fit, you know, put it in perspective. He's Just a be superstar. Give the guy his yeah. credit and admit it. Don't, oh, Joe Maurer. He's oh, not Brian the Parker. reason you should play multiple sports. No. No. Especially him when you started thinking of, like, the hand-eye coordination that he had. I mean, his hit tool, like, he was so good at Dude's finding barrel. Finding barrel. Dude's a and freak. And that's an innate quality that I'm sure he honed via practice. But, like, we've all worked with kids and seen kids who just, like, that little kid can hit. Like, that kid can find the barrel of the bat. And whether your swing mechanics are weird or perfect, there are kids that can just find the barrel of the bat. And you Joe can't Maurer, really teach that. He can Joe always find the, the barrel, I'm sure. I've ever seen in spring training. And it was a single up the middle. 
The hardest ball I've ever seen on a baseball field was a Joe Maurer single up the middle. This ball had to be 150 miles an hour off the bat. Like, you were back, like, backing up that day for show camp? So, I don't even know. What, I feel like I was really? sitting on the bench watching it and being like, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? Like the ball, the, the grass was on fire when the ball hit it. His ball was hit so hard. <laughs> I'm off of Joe Maurer now. Okay. Wait, wait, we um, should get him on. We should get him on. I want to talk to him again. Oof. I actually have a well, like a two. So my um, I trained Joe Maurer's cousin in. Uh, so the great family from where I used to live, Bloomington Normal. They're the Holtz. Um, they're like an incredible D1 family. Um, dad played D1 baseball. Mom played D1 volleyball. Daughter played D1 volleyball. D1 volleyball. Son played D1 baseball. And their cousin is Joe Maurer. <laughs> so, it's heck a of a family. Genetics. Um, probably but, helps out a little bit. Uh, I could always ask him. Sure, it won't happen. But no, I probably won't ask him. But anyway, um, last I'll question. This has been an epic hour and 40 minutes so far. Um, Sean, predictions about what's coming next in our country re coronavirus. Oh, Jesus. We're not going to get into what we thought we might get into, but I well, there's like fourteen thousand background checks right now pending for weapons here in Nevada. So that's scary, and seventy percent or higher first-time users. You can't find any nine-millimeter ammo. Do you have a gun? Um, Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I not, do. Just for home. Gun. Just for home. I mean, I enjoy I'm it. Pro. I don't. I don't flaunt it. I, I love having the gun at home. It's something that makes you. In case of an emergency, let's not. But you don't bring it to get groceries. Stuff. Uh, no, I actually go super early, uh, <laughs> stand in line for two hours at Costco, hopefully, uh, getting my package of ground turkey and ground beef, and then and we move baby on. Wipes. Uh, no, I have oh. a Brita filter and I have old used t shirts for that in case we get in trouble in a shower. <laughs> um, and then I think there's probably going to be this. These people are buying CB radios and two-way radios, Bob. What do you think? I think they're going to do – if people don't quarantine, it's going to be a, a blackout. So everybody has to stay home, and they're going to blame it on 5G. That's what I heard. They're not – are they not blaming it on 5G that the – the Well, you the can't things... blame it on the, that Mr. MAGA. No, it's – the thing going around is they're installing 5G while everybody's at home. You know, the ref – like in California, the, the governor mandated that all schools get 5G installed, and 5G is – you know, what it's faster, yes, but there's been studies done that it could potentially be harmful to your DNA. Uh, the five where they rolled out five. So this vaping, bro. I'm not arguing against five G. I'm just giving <laughs> no, you the facts, dude. Just giving you the facts. You know where they rolled out five G first in the world? Chicago, Probably right? Las Vegas, Wuhan. Oh, really? Well, I've heard five G doesn't see through buildings as well as four G. Like, like they've had, and this was from a uh, Mark. Marquess Brownlee video where he was talking about like what 5G is on YouTube. And he was saying that when they install these towers, the, the signal is like different fundamentally and that it doesn't see through buildings as well. So like their placement of these 5G towers have to be more strategic. I've heard that, you know, you can't just throw it anywhere and it's just going to beam Wi-Fi every, to every nook and cranny that it is like might not reach just like, you know, it doesn't reach into an elevator now. Like, it's just like, it's got more blackout spots is essentially what. Well, there's just, uh, it's just the unknown, right? Like there's, I've seen people on, you know, 
on social media have put plants next to their wireless router and then a plant across, you know, on the other side of the room, same water, same light. And the one next to the router doesn't grow. Like, is that, you know, is this like a, is this like a stronger version of that? Like, you don't know, we don't know the effects of the phone. Like the use, most of us sleep with the phone next to us in the same room. Like this thing is given off who knows, you know, what kind of radiation, maybe none, maybe, maybe a damaging amount. Like it's, you don't know. If we don't, we're, we're the test subjects. Like we're the test generation of how fucked up we're going to be from all the shit that we've installed around us to make us, uh, you know, basically a, a tech. We're like we're like part machine at this point. Like you can't live without your phone. We're on a video. We're streaming across the country to each other in real time. You know, with no lag. Like I can see you guys moving. Yeah, it's crazy. No lag. Like this is this affecting my DNA right now? Like am I? gonna have a cancer cell because i'm on this webcam i bought at guitar center dan what if what if the cell phone radiation makes the one plant grow and become a being and then sean has to shoot it with his gun (laughs) thank god he's got his nine millimeter wakes up and he's got a plant ready to eat him like little shops are little shop ours is that a real plant behind you no it's fake i need to get a real plant i'm I'm getting a real plant for there it's right just under I have a bunch of fake plants, but I wasn't sure what. I need one of those uh, dragon plants. Or is it dragon? No. Snake plants that you can put like anywhere. They don't need anything. They just like exist. Isn't that like a cactus? Yeah. They have like these like kind of like wide leaves and they're, they're, they're everywhere. But we should do, we should do a full plant. episode with a florist. Yeah, that would that'd be great viewership. <laughs> really um, hit that community hard. Sean. Thank you for uh, for being on the show. Sorry, we didn't get yeah, in there. Let's do it again, we didn't dude. get in there a little fun. bit, but yeah, I got I think time. I got time. Good, good conversation. Um, some of us, some of us need to move on here, Robert. But we will be back here on Monday. Um, back to normal. Yeah, maybe hours. I'll so, check on you guys back Friday. Who knows? Have fun, dude. I mean, I think our goal with this podcast is just to have solid conversation, be entertaining be in the, the baseball softball athlete industry a little bit, but also keep another foot out of it. Like I don't necessarily want to be talking about this is my teaching philosophy. This is coaching. This is like, I just think there's more out there than just that. And I think um, we're going to kind of do this podcast the way we want to do it and we'll see what it becomes. But um, Sean, I think you had some awesome insights and I appreciate your experience because it's just, everyone's got a different path through baseball. And like yours was different than mine, which is different than Bob's and, I think uh, a lot of your advice with the college recruiting stuff and, and giving credit to JUCO, because I didn't go JUCO, Bobby didn't go JUCO, but you had a very successful pro career as a JUCO guy. And I think more people need to well, hear that. Well, there was a that, stat, that I think, too, options. right? There was a stat, I think, that or a meme or, you know, one of those screenshots going around. I think it was like 20-some percent. I don't know. Some kind of percent are in the big leagues from JUCO. I mean. Yeah, so never, sure. never, never, never think you failed if you didn't go Division One. Because yeah. sometimes it's well, not even you wanting to go Division One. It's for the parent to wear this shirt. I mean, I'll go print you an Auburn shirt tomorrow if you really want it. I mean, it's where you can succeed, get the most reps, and get a chance to be in professional baseball and do what's best for yourself. At the end of the day, like Bobby said, it's the minor leagues. It's individual, and you want to be a teammate. At the same time, people are just looking to date the next blood. Nobody gives yeah. a shit about you. Mm-hmm. The end of the day, yeah. Well, the well, thing about JUCO, just to go, but just to real quick, is where every off season I would practice with a junior college, and that was awesome because those kids want 
you know, I'm older, obviously, like I'm playing professionally, like, so they talk to me a little bit, but they want to get after it. Like those kids are getting after it and the practices are long and it's guys always want to do extra. So if you want work, like you've got a chance to do work and that's what we needed. I mean, as a professional, that's what I needed in the off season. I needed work, I needed dudes to hang out with and want to play baseball. My friends didn't play baseball anymore. You know, I get to go home and pick my own friends after the season, but unfortunately most of them don't play baseball, you know, past high school or college. So that junior college is, I mean, that's a I've Triton college. I was there five minutes from my house. I was there every day. Place was pumping out kids that wanted to play baseball. Well, and yeah, and my last point here is that when you start going to D1 baseball games, again, you go to these like smaller schools, like, Bobby, how many fans did you get at an NIU game? You went to Northern Illinois. How many fans did you get at a typical game? Tens and tens of fans. Same thing in my alma mater. We get 70 fans, and they're mostly girlfriends, parents, and grandparents. Um, what about or St. Mary's? potential what about girlfriends. Mm, that too. John, what about St. Mary's? What was your, your draw like at a home game? Um, I mean, it was – packed because we we're on campus but i mean it wasn't like anything of significance like when i went to lsu that you know our first unconvert game was in lsu and i had to change my jersey like i was telling you change my jersey twice because they're throwing beer on you on the side while you're warming up tiger <laughs> bait boy let me use more explicit words but i mean that's a real i mean you're, you're in front of twelve thousand, and i yeah. and i go out there and i strike out the first two <clears throat> Yeah, the first inning, the next inning, I walk one, then we had an air, and the guy hit the three-one jack, his last name was Dean. And the place just goes nuts. And I'm like, but that doesn't happen everywhere. You're playing the game because you love it, and you can you can go play somewhere else. And if you're good, you'll be seen. So don't ever doubt where you go. Look at NIU, UMBC, St. Mary's, Juco. They'll find you regardless. Word of mouth and now social media, they'll find you. They don't get be paid. one of those turds. And, they get paid yeah, to Don't find be you. a turd. Don't be a turd to send videos and look at me. Somebody will get you. And if not, there's always the next road is working harder. Yeah. And, Maybe and my, I didn't work hard enough. You never know. Yeah. And my point with, with asking that question is that when people put D1 sports on this pedestal, like, you know, softball parents are going crazy to try to get their daughter that D1. It's like, okay. And then you go to a game and you, you know what D1 softball looks like at most schools or D1 baseball looks like at most schools, it looks like travel baseball. They're in a nicer stadium. They have 75 fans. No one in the grand scheme of the world cares about that game, except you go to that school. And so you need to be happy at that school. But like that LSU experience, that SEC baseball Pac-12 experience is that's the experience for like 10% of D1 baseball. Everyone else has no fans. Yeah, exactly. Everyone else has no fans they're playing for you have to really want to go there. You need to like really love the life there be a student athlete there, get your major. My That's point like, is just, is just that like we put D one sports on too big of a pedestal. There's no spectators for most, most games and most sports. It's not as big a deal as people think it is. Like you just need yeah, to be football happy. Football makes all the money, man. Football brings yeah. all that money to make it a huge school. Baseball is still the same game. Like that Leone guy, he went to Barstow and then some St. Martin's and got drafted. I mean, guy was a big leaguer. Yeah, but then it's that Clark, you know, big leaguer. The twelve, the twelve thousand you're playing against the LSU. You know, if you're on that LSU team and you're not one of those nine playing, that shit's not that fun. Like, yeah, yeah it's cool atmosphere for a few a few days, and then all of a sudden you realize, like, I'm not on the fucking field. Like, this is not fun. It's not fun to work your ass off and not play. So exactly, you got to go play. Yep, yep. got to go play. 
Well, on that note, Sean, thank you so much I'm again for here. being, being guest. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We'll see you and soon. for you watching on Twitter, a uh, right. quick announcement. Well, I'm sure no one's, no one's still listening, but uh, catch us on iTunes, Spotify. We're on in, in podcast land officially. Um, full streams of this on Twitter and uh, YouTube. And you can catch replays here on Twitter, YouTube, and you'll find clips on Instagram and all of our other platforms. So uh, for myself and Bobby Stevens, Bobby. Dan, we'll talk to you. Talk to you.